Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Welcome to Bet the Edge on this Tuesday, July 13th. Sarah Perlman and Drew Densick with you. And thank you to those of you watching on our brand new NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Coming up, Paige McKenzie, analyst with the Golf Channel, gives us some big names she's fading and others she's backing at the Open Championship. John Daigle, he's eyeing an over on a prop with a quarterback in his first year with his team. We'll tell you exactly who that is. Plus, edge of the day, all that and more coming up right here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fandango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. <sighs> Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango. It's your ticket to the movies. Drew, good morning. How we doing? We're doing tremendous. Congratulations to uh, you and Trey for just a spectacular showing last night at the Home Run Derby. You had the whole sports stage to yourself out there, and it was awesome to watch. That was really, really quite inspirational. So oh, thank you, thank in every you. Regard. It was an absolute blast. And now I'm back on the show, a little bit tired, shaking it off here. <laughs> Thanks for watching us live. If you see I look a little tired, don't judge. Just realize it was a long night, and we're going to move on here. Drew, we're going to start talking about the game tomorrow. A little bit of a slow day, of course, the MLB All-Star game going on. But we have an important NBA Finals tomorrow. And I know we will break this game down more in depth tomorrow. But in terms of we look at the Suns and the Bucks, and the Bucks favored by four yet again at home. Total sitting at 220 and a half. What was the main 
takeaway from game three that's going to change your handicap for now game four well game three really got away from the suns entirely largely anyway, in part because they did really didn't have Aiton considering his foul issues on combined with the fact that uh you know you got just an outstanding performance from Giannis he was unstoppable out there and you know when when the score really gets away from you in the second half in a game where you are up 2-0 in a series it's a total complete guessing game where the total is going to land, you know, in terms of, of, of final points. So far, I have been of the opinion that the total has been too high in this series. I was on the under in games one and two. Both were extremely painful losses after just wildly high scoring second halves. Game two, especially where the Bucks were down 10 under 30 seconds and fouling was like, pull your hair out, kind of, why are they doing this? This is mm -hmm. nonsense. So I'm a little cool on getting involved in the totals in general at this point, uh, even though my fair would say under is the correct side in this one. I guess the only thing that I could add fuel to this is if this is more competitive, if the, if Aiton is available for the majority of the second half, if the Suns continue their approach of we are going to let Giannis get his and we are going to make you earn it with everyone else on that court, I think this could be a close game. I think it could be tight and in general, a tight game. A tight game like this uh, in a 2-1 series, we already see you know, the, the money line is already telling you this is not that far away from a, a coin flip here. You would expect a potentially a slower fourth quarter, uh, you know, grind it out where every possession means more, feels more important, goes to the end of the shot clock. And in those scenarios, the under is, uh, is always alive in my mind. When you look at these two teams head-to-head, 6-0-1 to the over this season in their last seven, it's been crazy. Obviously, a push in Game 3, as you alluded to. The total seems like the market is so sharp. But our good friends at PointsBet did let us know. Heavy action on the over, 81% of the bet count and 73% of the handle. Also, 54% of the bet count and 61% of the handle this far coming in on the Milwaukee Bucks. We're going to get to golf in just a second, but here's what I want to pick your brain about. You look at the two teams, and I know we touched on the total a little bit, Drew, but in terms of you love the Milwaukee Bucks, you thought if they were going to get a game, it was going to be game three. Now we enter game four. To your point, it's going to be competitive. You're getting it close to a money line situation probably by the time the game starts. Who do you give the ultimate edge to? I think taking the points with the Suns is the, is the right side. We'll save this some more of this yeah. discussion for tomorrow because I'm sure that'll be my edge of the day for Wednesday. Um, but ultimately, uh, four and a half points is too many. And I think you've seen, I, I caught four and a half this morning. It's coming down to four. I would, there's enough, there, as you just mentioned, there's enough market support for the Bucks. That this is going to bounce between four and a half and four, probably until we get closer to tip off here. But really, you know, Monty Williams, he has more tools in his tool chest in terms of, of, of adjustments. He didn't need to use any of those coming into game three because because what they had done in game one and game two worked so well. So it was entirely predictable that they were going to roll out the same strategy for game three and the Bucks were going to have to deploy all of their best stuff in terms of adjustments, really use and lean on the home crowd to get the bump that they needed to get that win, to get on the, you know, to get on the scoreboard for the series. And so now that you reset things and now that it becomes a premium, okay, well, Monty Williams, what do you have to counter? What is your next, you know, just move? They have a deeper roster. They have more talented wings. They have uh, more veterans that have just have been in these types of situations before that I think they can lean on. And so in total, I think the Suns are going to be extremely competitive here. They may not, they may not win, but ultimately the likelihood that this comes down to end of game scenario, making free throws, executing offense, and I tip my hand to the Suns in terms of half-court offensive execution, which I think all of that leads to the Suns being the right side. 
we will break this down more in depth tomorrow, especially because when the public is so involved in the finals like this, we're going to see the line probably move even more. So I would argue in the Bucks, as points bets alluded to a lot of money coming in on the Milwaukee Bucks thus far. Let's transition a little bit to golf here because the 149th Open Championship, once again, a miracle will begin their day watching the best golfers in the world compete on the rugged shores of the English Channel at Royal St. George's Golf Club in England. The Open Championship this Thursday to Sunday on NBC, Golf Channel, and Peacock. And more to break down the Open, which we are looking forward to. It has been a long 24 months without it, is Paige McKenzie, of course, analyst with the Golf Channel. And I saw some of your notes. We were looking over them. And what stood out to me is there's quite a few players in there that maybe other analysts and myself, as I was tracking, that I weren't as high on. Now, you are the expert, so I lean to you on this page. (laughs) When I look at some of the outright markets and guys that you think are going to perform at a, a high level at a very tricky course, some of the favorites here. Who has the ultimate advantage here? How will this course play to them? I mean, I love John Rahm, but at plus 800 where he sits right now, I don't love the number. I don't love the odds. Uh, So I would look to play John Rahm in the live odds, see how it plays out over the first 36 holes. You might be able to pick him up at a better price. Uh, When he was playing the U.S. Open, he was plus 1,000. He was 10 to 1. I liked him then, but there was a lot more intangibles at play relating to Torrey Pines than I'm getting here at Royal St. George's. So that's my take on John Rahm. When you look at Rory McIlroy, obviously incredible record at the Open. He's had four top fives in his last five starts. The one that he doesn't have is, of course, that miscut in 2019 at Royal Port Rush, where he put on an excellent display on that Friday. So he's got a great record at the Open. However, we've seen him struggle to get across the finish line. In, in fact, it almost seemed like a bit of a surprise that he won this year on the PGA Tour at Wells Fargo. Uh, and you kind of saw him stumble through late on the 18th hole. So I actually prefer Rory McIlroy and maybe a top five. Uh, plus 425, I feel like that's a really good play for Rory McIlroy. And then the most interesting one uh, that I've noticed is Dustin Johnson and what has happened to his odds over the last six months. Starting from November all the way through last week, he was no worse than plus 1,200 in the odds. He went all the way up to plus 850 after his win at Saudi Arabia. Uh, so certainly one of the heavy favorites. But now the number one in the world player is down to plus 2,000. Uh, and that's really tempting to me. I, I'm not huge on him on Link style golf courses, only three top tens in his last 11 starts at the Open. However, uh, he was a runner-up here in 2011. So that, that number makes DJ very tempting for me. Oh, nope, fair breakdown, and I agree with a lot of that. I Except I don't know that I can pull a trigger on Rory to do much of anything right now. Driver looks a little yippy, but uh, what, what do I know? Let's t- <laughs> let's talk a little bit about a golfer that popped immediately by my numbers. I, and I, I was, I, you know, again, I've, I've missed the best number on this. The ship may have sailed without me here, but my second choice for this tournament is none other than Jordan Spieth. I'm guessing that he comes up so high in my rankings here because I put a premium on driving accurate overdriving distance and I have a, a relatively high score in my model for putting and we all know that Jordan speed can be an absolute magician on the greens am I on the right track here in terms of what's going to matter for this tournament as far as you know player strength I love your line of thinking and Jordan Spieth my only outright pick uh, this week I like him at 18 to 1 but to your point he had better odds just yesterday so I think we're not alone in the way we're thinking about Jordan Spieth at this golf course But the other thing is his current form in general. He's had 11 top 20s in his last 13 starts on the PGA Tour. So there's a level of consistency this season that we haven't seen from Jordan Spieth over the last several years. Given the fact that he has notched a win 
this year on the PGA Tour. He's got the confidence to cross the finish line. We know he plays Link style golf course as well. So I, I like Jordan Spieth this week a lot. He's actually the most bet golfer by handle at points uh. bet. Jordan Spieth, <laughs> then Brooks Kepka, then of course, John Rahm, even with the short odds. Hey, Paige, we know that Euros tend to play well at the Open. It's, of course, well known. So there has to be a few guys that are on your radar, whether good odds or not. Who are you liking? Yeah, it's been interesting doing some research. Over the last 10 years, there's been at least five players on average that have been in the top 10 each and every year. So I'm looking at you have to play some Europeans this week, even though the book that doesn't put him at the top of the list. So I'm keeping an eye on Alex Noren. This is his best, best major championship. He's had two top tens in majors and, and also an 11th place finish at Royal Port Rush in 2019. If you add to the fact that he also finished tied for fourth at Rocket Mortgage just a couple of weeks ago, uh, he's had an amazing trend with his driver uh, over the last several months. I really like him here. Uh, and I like the odds at plus 750 for a top 10. That seems like a good play. Uh, the other name that stands out, and I know a lot of people are familiar with this name, and that's Guido Migliosio, excuse me, Migliosi. This is a name, of course, that popped on a lot of Americans' radar because of his finish at the U.S. Open where he finished fourth, but also had a couple great weeks in Europe prior to that. So incredible hot streak. May have cooled off with a 35th place finish last week at the Scottish Open. However, when you look at some total over the last 18 rounds, only one round over 71, and that was the third round of the U.S. Open. So I hope that he continues or anticipate that he continues this hot streak. And at plus 1,000 for a top 10, I feel like that's a good deal. Oh, fantastic. I will be looking for that as well. And I guess one market I, I do need some help with. I always love to play some of the nationality markets. And there are a number of golfers that I know you have a specific opinion on who come from the continent of Australia. Uh, <laughs> what do you make of the top Aussie market and specifically the likes of Leishman, Scott and Herbert, who are all very close to the same price to get top five? I know. And I, it's hard to pick one over the other. And I, I in general, favoring uh, quite a few of the Australians this week. I think there is some similarity to how golf courses play in the sand belt of Australia, as well as link style, just in the anticipation of run out. So for that reason, I like all three. Uh, I, I can't pick one. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry for that. I think Adam Scott historically is maybe a better open player than the other two. If you look at over the last 10 years, he actually holds the highest earnings of a player that hasn't won worldwide. I'm not loving his form as much coming into this. However, he has had a 13th place and a 16th place finish in his two of his last three starts on the PGA Tour. So I would maybe play him for a top 10. Mark Leishman, I think, would maybe, if you made me pick one of the three, I think Mark Leishman might be the guy to get it done for the Australians. Uh, he has a good open record, two top fives, three top tens in eight starts. And he's coming off a third place finish at the Travelers. So I like him. And Lucas Herbert, you mentioned it, a name, again, maybe the U.S. audience isn't as familiar with, but coming into this week, probably the hottest player in the world with the win at the Irish Open and a fourth-place finish last week at the Scottish Open. So I think all three are very good plays, but maybe Leishman would be my pick of the three. I do have to put you on the spot here. I am curious. Love your look on the Australian players, of course, the Euros as well. But before we let you go, and you did talk about of course, Jordan Spieth and others in the outright market. I'm putting you on the spot. Take the odds out of it. Value gone. Who wins? Ooh, I still think Spieth. I, that's why I think it's, it's a good it's a good value, but I, I still think Spieth. It's one of these situations I almost feel like people don't want to say John Rahm because the odds are short, but I'm like, is it him? Is it worth taking a flyer? Listen, we, we really appreciate you, you joining the show, Paige, and we'll talk to you soon. 
Yep. Thanks so much, guys. You can follow Paige on Twitter at Paige underscore McKenzie. Make sure to tune in to the Golf Channel for more of her analysis and, of course, on her show Morning Drive. We appreciate you listening to Bet the Edge. Rate the podcast. If you're not a daily subscriber, sign up. Remember, we are trying to give you actionable information every single weekday, all in about 25 minutes, Drew. Of course, we are also always available to be reached out to on Twitter. You can find Sarah at Sarah Perlman, and I am at whale underscore capper. And we will answer any and all questions you have about the sports betting. It could be, what do you like in this match at the uh, ATP Newport Hall of Fame Tennis Open? Or it can be... Uh, I'm going to tweet you those questions because <laughs> I'm wondering who you like. I'm personally not handicapping. That I trail. only I only played six matches there today, so not a lot, obviously. So it's a <laughs> it's it's a fun time of year for that sort of stuff. Be be sure to reach out mm-hmm. to us on Twitter. No, seriously, I'll be reaching out to you via text, not Twitter. It'd be easier because I have a lot of questions about the six matches. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. I also have questions for John Daigle. Let's bring in a member of NBC Sports Edge to break down NFL futures, which, by the way, is a great time. A lot of futures bets and prop bets for this season are posted, and they haven't been hit as hard by many people yet, not as sharp. So this is a good time to get in. So, John, let's break down the first one. I know Sam Darnold is a guy that you've been looking at with his new offense with Carolina. He has a lot of weapons. People were high on him before he obviously left New York. What's your temperature on Sam Darnold for this season and now with his new weapons? How are you going to attack his props? So Sam Darnold is obviously in a much better situation this year. It's an unfortunate that he has yet to throw for this number across his oft injured three-year career, but there are upgrades beyond the most obvious one in getting Matt Rule and OC Joe Brady over Adam Gase. The offensive line overall a big upgrade. Just the weapons he's throwing to besides Brashad Perryman and Denzel Mims like last year. Mims this year at OTAs is working with the second stream. He can't even cut it with the first team. And now he goes to superstars in DJ Moore and in my opinion Robbie Anderson not to mention uh, Terrace Marshall as well. So overall the situation gets better and most recently we know that Joe Brady helped schemed a career high in passing yards for Teddy Bridgewater last year against in hindsight what was the league league's toughest passing schedule of opponents. So overall, much better situation. I think the number's quite low, considering I do believe Darnold will start 17 games this year. 
I do want to interrupt fairly quickly. Sam Darnold, his passing touchdown prop we're referring to 20 and a half, now up to 21 and a half. It has changed by <laughs> a touchdown. So I don't know who hit that. Maybe it's you, John. I'm not literally, sure. Literally this morning, it was 20 and a half. That's wild. That's why you have to subscribe to this pod or that's watch us live on youtube.com. <laughs> uh, the, the that's a, it was a very it was a very strong case, John. Very strong. Yeah. Uh, I so strong and moved it you. behind the scenes. I, yeah, I completely agree with you. But I want to continue to move down here and get pick pick your brain on some of these other players because I know you are you are so dialed in on player performance right now. I absolutely love it. And there is a guy that I was surprised, sort of market leader here in terms of rushing and receiving, considering he is an enormous question mark in terms of health. And that man is Dalvin Cook of the Minnesota Vikings. What do you make of his? Rushing receiving yards at a whopping 16, 24 and a half for this season. Health, of course, is an issue. But recall that last year, health still got in the way. He only played 14 games, but he still nearly achieved 2,000 yards. So let's just start there. Remember, when he came back from injury across his last nine starts, they just threw Alexander Madison out of the way and said, we don't care anymore. This is all going through Cook. He averaged 28 touches, handled 220 of their 250 backfield carries the rest of the way. And we expect that kind of usage to continue over into this year since the cronyism got in the way of upgrading their offensive coordinator and just going to click Kubiak at that position and play calling. And so I genuinely think for 17 games, the number's great. Also remember that last year we made fun of their defense going into the year. That's why we bet under nine wins. It was an easy number. But this year, their dime package is filled with veterans. Those actually top four corners have a combined 282 starts coming into this year. So I would expect game script to also work more in their favor, which means more volume or at least the same volume. 28 touches a game for Dalvin Cook. So I actually think it's a, a pretty light number considering that mm. we consider the Vikings division contenders. It's probably why his number keeps going up as well. I don't know what's going on at points, but you're hacked into our <laughs> show and you're changing the odds as we go. No, I know it's just uh, I, people are I'm hitting not, the pro I'm not sending our producer the numbers before the show anymore. That's what's do, happening here. Do you know what it is? It's such a slow time in sports right now. It's the MLB yeah. All-Star break. Only Drew is handicapping tennis and everyone else is looking where to get their action in. So people are hitting the bigger markets. And another one that might change as we're live on air, I'm not sure. Darren Waller, one of my favorite players in the NFL. You could say what you want about John Gruden, Derek Carr. I don't care. Darren Waller is an absolute stud. He will be the primary or one of them uh, targets for the Raiders offense this season. In terms of his prop market along with the Raiders, what stands out? Waller's prop is at 95 and a half. We'll be 130 by the time I get done speaking. <laughs> but he essentially had two separate seasons. Uh, the first half being Las Vegas' first 11 games, he totaled 64 catches. Even if you extrapolate those poor numbers across 16, 17 games, he would have topped 95. But then also the momentum changed, and he finished with a monstrous last five starts. Actually averaged, not posted, averaged eight and a half catches and 130 yards per game. And now we are discussing him in the fantasy region in the same range as Travis Kelsey at the back end of first round in fantasy football drafts because of the that volume, but also Nelson Aguilar, who signed with the Patriots, quietly leaves behind five and a half targets per game. So overall, all of that and being Carr's go-to target this year, presumably, I point this number at 110, much closer to uh, triple digits as opposed to 95 and a half. Do you worry at all about sort of the dissolution of the offensive line there and what that has done to Carr in the past? I mean, can Darren Waller catch balls that are thrown at his feet? 
Given well, not at his feet, but well, maybe he can actually. But uh, given his like average depth of target, it is quite shallow. So he is the safety blanket. That's the point of the catches, not the yards prop, because I believe the volume will be there underneath. Also, the Raiders quietly have the league's toughest projected schedule of opposing defenses. And I know people scoff at that metric because so many things can change throughout the year. But I like noting the weighted teams in that because that means even if it's not the case of being the hardest schedule, it's going to be very tough at least, which puts them in negative game scripts. And that means continued volume for Darren Waller. John, thank you so much for your insight and also single-handedly moving the lines and making sure you got the best number ever available in this market. Seriously, we really appreciate it. And I love all your plays in the market. Also know, Sarah, the world was on your side and not on the side of the quote unquote (laughs) best power hitter on the planet. I'll leave it with that, John. I'll yes. leave it with that. Thank you so much. You could follow John on Twitter at NotJDaigle. Check out all of his NFL content, of course, on NBCSportsEdge.com and on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. That was insane with the market moving like that. Yeah. Seriously, I think people are just bored and looking at the futures market and uh, just moving along with that. He touched on the NFL. We got into golf. We're doing a golf show later, by the way, if you want to tune into that, going for the green after this, breaking down the open. But it's time for Edge of the Day as we wrap up the show every single day. What do you got? We're going back to Newport, Rhode Island. Yes, we, we got are. cheated out of a winner yesterday as our under was looking strong. Thompson, by far the better player in that match, and his opponent retires because of injury that that's okay because there are a lot of other angles to attack in Newport at the Hall of Fame Classic. Again, Newport is real grass. This is not like Wimbledon. Wimbledon changed up their grass recipe. It plays a heck of a lot slower than it used to back in the old days. Newport did not. Newport is a fast, very, very, very challenging grass court for a lot of players who are not experienced on this sort of surface. You have uh, two players going head-to-head in Jack Sock and Alex Bolt in the 11 o'clock Pacific time, 2 o'clock Eastern tilt here in Newport that are a virtual coin flip by my numbers. This is practically 50-50. And these two players match up well. Both have relatively strong tiebreak game. Uh, and I think that the likelihood that this goes three sets is very, very high. The game's over. Also a fair play in this one. If either player happens to win both tiebreaks, if it's 7-6, seven, 7-6, six, seven, six, I won't be shocked. But I really like this uh, match to potentially go the distance over two and a half sets. Jack Sock just played very, very strong performance yesterday in doubles at this exact course. So he is comfortable with the, and familiar with the, um, the conditions. Similarly, Bolt came through qualifying impressively, beating Ryan Harrison in three sets in the uh, second round of qualifying. Bolt's been great on grass in general this whole season. So two players that I think are on form on grass. Both have won challenger titles in the last month. This should be a highly, highly competitive match and over two and a half sets at plus 118 is my edge of the day. I say it like I always say for your tennis plays. I love it. I will back it. Jack Sock, <laughs> Alex Bolt, over two and a half sets and plus money, which is arguably the best part. You've been crushing these. So I will follow you on the tennis play. For me, take a little contrarian play here. No one likes Bryson DeChambeau and I get it. There's a lot of reasons to not like him in the open, but I saw his his odds at to finish in the top 20 at plus 140, I think it's a good number. I know he is a new caddy, and I think the entire public is against him in this regard, that we're getting such a good number that I feel like I have to jump on him in the top 20. 
He's been arguably one of the most on and off players on the tour this season. He did finish on top of the leaderboard of the 2020 U.S. Open, Arnold Palmer Invitational. I know there's been a lot of hesitation of his uh, play as of late, and I do understand the caddy could be an issue. But for me, I just feel like he could take advantage of the length of this course. I know we'll break it down later on another show if you want to watch Going for the Green in just a bit. But I think that because everyone's fading him, it's made me like him more. He's a big hitter, excellent putter. I think actually this course will play to him. I will take Bryson DeChambeau to finish in the top 20, probably the only person on this planet a plus 140 drew i make that uh, a fair play i have him at 43 percent to finish in the top 20 he is the 17th ranked golfer as we head in by my numbers so i'm with you yeah his odds are so crazy because of everything surrounding him right now in terms of his play of late and as i mentioned his new caddy ziggler so we'll see how that goes we have a tennis play we broke down golf we also have a ton of nfl future plays if you miss those and you're tuning in now definitely go back and listen to the podcast but that wraps up our edition of bet the edge thank you so much for joining us on our brand new nbc sports edge youtube channel do not forget to go to nbcsportsedge.com you'll have all the information you'll need to know after you're done listening to us right here to continue helping you throughout your wagers please do not forget to subscribe and rate the podcast We wrap up the show every single day the same way. We wish you nothing but the best of luck with all your plays for the night, and we will see you tomorrow. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.